all of our shows are funded by you. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Waters Media's third Patreon-exclusive bonus episode for November 2021. I'm David Waters, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about bowling. Do you ever watch something and realize that you are completely outside your realm of knowledge when it comes to that topic? For me, that topic was bowling. After watching The Big Lebowski, I realized that I never had the overcoming, overwhelming urge to go and bowl. However, that has changed. All this and more on today's episode. Oh my god, what a fucking day. Hello everybody, it's good to have you. I am glad that I am back actually by myself uh, today, which is really nice. I haven't had a chance to kind of sit back and, I don't know, talk to myself, <laughs> so to speak. And, you know, I may be a little crazy doing so, you know, I always feel like, especially when I'm by myself, I'll definitely like mumble to myself just so I can like remember things. It's always a funny thing for me to do, but nonetheless, I'm glad I'm back here, you know, having a one-on-one with y'all. So I know you're already subscribed to the Patreon, but, you know, consider joining our social media pages uh, to see when new episodes go live. And that's uh, Facebook and Instagram at Waters Media, W-A-D. E-R-S-M-E-D-I-A. Also, before we get into it, I do want to apologize for the delay in posting this month's bonus episode. I think it'll be well worth it, in uh, my opinion. I really think so. But let's get into it. Ten-pin bowling is a type of bowling in which a bowler rolls a bowling ball down a wood or synthetic lane towards ten pins positioned evenly in four rows in an equilateral triangle at the far end of the lane. The objective is to knock down all ten pins on your first roll. It's called a strike. Or failing that leading to a second roll, a spare. People approach bowling as either a demanding precisional sport or as a simple recreational pastime. Following substantial decline since the 1980s in both professional tournament television ratings and amateur league participation, bowling centers have increased increasingly expanded to become diverse entertainment centers. I pulled all of this from Wikipedia. Just wanted to give a shout out, of course. Definitely just wanted to give you a kind of backstory into it. And for me personally, I I love The Big Lebowski. That's like one of my favorite movies of all time. I have a tattoo actually on my left pointer finger facing out. I guess it depends on how you're freaking facing your hand, but uh, nonetheless, it's like on the inside of my finger. I remember getting that fucking tattoo and it bleeding whenever I got back to our apartment. Fucking blow dick. I just like sat there and I was like looking at it and like holding my wrist the whole time like I'm a fucking bitch and shit like that. I was like, like that one in particular, like nothing else hurt. Like I only have one other tattoo and I got it on my shoulder. Obviously, that one's not going to hurt us less, but and that one on the finger, I it says abide you know the dude abides obviously and i the a what is it the a let me look here the a 
B, D, and E are messed up. So everything but I. And I always used to use this like cheesy ass line with people. Like just because I didn't want to go fucking get it redone, I fucking um, did. I was like, you know, I would go through the whole spiel like all the all the other letters I rest up, but I am just fine. I was like, yeah, yeah, insert insert clapping hands or whatever, whatever, David right here. future david please insert but other than that the really only other time that i you know actually speaking of the big obowski like you know they bowl it's not really about bowling but that's kind of like the setting of the movie like i guess it's like set in california but i don't know fucking where i think it's maybe la or something like that san francisco i don't know i mean california is really all the same to me to be honest it all kind of blends together but Nonetheless, you know, they do bowling. And I love that scene when Walter just, you know, points the gun at what's his name? Some, some like gray ass hair dude. And he just like stepping over the line. He's like, Smokey, you're entering a world of trouble. <laughs> and I fucking love it. But other than that, you know, I, I think it was back then. That wasn't when I was in college. I remember talking to my friends because I had a phase back then. I was like, bro, I just want to go, I want to go bowl, you know? And, and it was, you know, it was a thing. And uh, my friends actually took me out bowling for my birthday one year. I can't remember exactly which year it was, but nonetheless, we went there, had a good time. We, we had a few, you know, pitchers of beer. It was like the classic. You couldn't smoke inside, obviously, like nowadays, but you know, you can always go outside, you know, bum a smoke if you want. Now that's a real <laughs> go out and bubble smoke from a homeless man or something or shit. But nonetheless, after mulling on the topic for bowling for a while, I decided to, you know, do some research into different bowling lanes around my workplace in Arlington because I only have you know, time enough really to go to lunch and go do a bowling game or whatever. And that is when I stumbled upon the International Technology Research Center housed under the USBC, otherwise known as the United States Bowling Congress. The USBC is located not very far from Six Flags over Texas, and it's actually in the same kind of area I'm located in. I'm, I work at UTA, so it's like positioned right there. But anyway, the United States Bowling Congress is a sports membership organization dedicated to 10-pin bowling in the United States. The USBC is the national governing body of 10-pin bowling in the United States. It has approximately 3,000 local associations across the U.S. serving over 2 million members. Among its duties and responsibilities to these members are to a few things. I'll just go ahead and list them off here. Maintaining specifications, uh, conduct research, testing, certifying bowling lanes, pin setting, blah, 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 you know, a whole bunch of stuff. Establish the establish and publish playing rules, which was really cool. I, I did not know that. Um, and they provide counselors to help interpret interpret the rules they certify leagues and tournaments they also manage team usa which i believe we talk about here soon as it competes in international tournaments it main, maintains historical record of bowler averages for use of the usbc sanctioned leagues and tournaments certifies coaches in both youth and adult bowlers and also regulate and promote high school and collegiate bowling so one of the things you know i'll go ahead 
and mention it now. It's there that I came into contact with Lou Marquez. Lou will introduce himself here. But I guess uh, before we get into it, I think I want to talk about it. I went on this tour with him, and he was showing me a whole bunch of different stuff, Lou was. And he was telling me about this LiDAR technology that they use um, to track the movements of the ball and how fast it goes down the lane, how, you know, how what's the speed what's the angle what's the whenever it hits that fucking oil spot at or that non-oil spot at the end like how much it curves and he turned me around and he showed me this television screen that really tracked all of that data like and it was in real time and it was like fucking kick ass and i told him i guess the back up a little bit like i went there after work one day and rolled up and i walked into the the research center and there's like this uh bowling like running carpet it was just like a bowling lane i thought it was like really funny but he like led me up there and whenever i entered it was him and his assistant and they had my name up on there they said like you know like welcome they welcome you know david waters here for blah 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 and stuff like that and that's when i i met lou and he's a great guy a great guy you know he's like salt and pepper hair you know he was a good time and he took me all the way down the line there whenever i got there there was this guy who was bowling when he was taking me on the tour and he was actually kind of the subject of interest we we were able to like he showed me that that lidar thing and next he showed me this like one database of all the recordings that they use but to go back and track like this is like professional like they just had a database of different bowlers and all their different bowling shits and all their averages and stuff like that and the next thing he showed me was like a we were watching you know the gentleman bowl there i can't remember his name i think he might have mentioned it but we turn around and it's like on a i don't know a five second delay or something like that a three to five second delay and you can like look and look at your form from you know where you were shooting you know on that particular lane or whatever and he continued over and showed me this one thing in particular that really caught my attention it was it was like a bowling lane but it had like a board up in front of it like and what they did was like had a camera pointing at you from the front while you're bowling so you're bowling under the board and this is like so they can see in real time how to like perfect your you know you know posture or whatever you want to call it i think i believe slouch i mentioned slouch here in this in the interview i think he got a kick out of that but nonetheless let's go ahead and drop into the interview where you know this was after the facility tour that he took me on you want to give a little intro to who you are and what you do? So, obviously, I'm Coach Lou Marquez for the International Training and Research Center. I am a USBC certified goal coach. It's the highest level of coaching that we have in our governing body. I also am the, the head coach here at the facility, but I also service the pro shop operator as the manager. And then I oversee the facility in general for our department, for the United States Bowling Congress. Um, it's kind of a little bit of an insight of what I do. Part of my duties here is to administer private lessons with athletes that come in in either single form or in group mm-hmm. format or conduct clinics here for our weekly events. And so we will have where we have a certain theme program and uh, try to work in facilitating that program. And let's say it's a mental game clinic or if it's a physical game training clinic or it may be specific to, you know, learning an optimal release. 
or working on timing or whatever the whatever the scenario may be will administer that type of clinic format using all of the tools that we have in our bowling center from the specto bowling to the DVR cameras to video tracking to video rec- we'll use all of these different tools to help facilitate the programs that we have mm. so i guess i'm curious how like what's the split cuz you said you were a manager over here in the pro shop but you're coaching i yeah, can it's only kind of both hats it's kind of like doing a little bit of both you know it's kind of just you know we don't have a a certain amount of active time that I'll use for that part of the program. Mm-hmm. But when it's needed, I kind of jump into that role. Mm-hmm. So I help to do that portion as well as the, the training. Now, can't do it while I'm in training, but we usually take uh, reservations for any services that are needed in the pro shop. And that's usually when I'll facilitate it. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. So I, I guess... I want, I'm curious about, I'm such a, a noob, as they would say, um, when it comes to this, you an know. Inquiring, inquisitive bowler. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very inquisitive. I would just learn something new every day. It's fun. You know, it's, it's hurling this heavy object down the lane, crushing the pins, and absolutely getting any kind of anger and frustration out on something that, you know what, I could care less if it breaks. Right. It's like, that's the fun of it. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. You know, there's a lot more to the enjoyment of bowling, but, you know, it's it's challenging yourself. It's working on a, a skill development that, that requires accuracy, you know, some form of consistency and timing and rhythm. And being able to do it over and over again. So while you were giving me the tour, you were kind of uh, telling me all the different ranges of, you know, the different age groups that, you know, you, you coach. You do youth, you do senior, you do adults, men and women. I guess I, I forgot where I was going with that question specifically, but what prompted you? I kind of want to know your story. What prompted you? What what got you into bowling? So like, does somebody the, introduce so it me, to you? Actually, it's a good, that's a good question because I got into bowling in the sense that, in the coaching aspect of bowling, by helping youth, wanting to help youth. When I started out in bowling, I started out very late in bowling. So I wasn't a youth bowler. I went right into adult bowling at the age of 18. And I didn't get the opportunity to bowl in high school or bowl in youth league, which a lot of people nowadays do. They transitioned from youth to adult. I started in a men's league, you know, with the guys that were way older than me, and I was the youngest kid. Mm-hmm. And did that intimidate you at all? Of course, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, as you start to appreciate the sport, I kind of found out that this, you know, rowdy bunch of, you know, guys that you know smoked and drank, and you know, they were kind of like mentors to me in a way. So I felt like, wow, they, they, they didn't feel threatened by me being a noob, you know, in this league. Mm-hmm. But they kind of welcomed me along and said, hey, you know what? I know you're just starting out, but hey, we want you to get better. And I said, well, that's great. I got some coaching along the way un- unannounced to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's a great idea. What if I could be a coach too, wow. you know? So I said, well, let me, I was interested in it. Right. And that started my my transition into taking courses and classes as I got better mm-hmm. into now being a, a role model for somebody else. And I started with the youth program. I was old enough now that I'm adult to actually coach kids. Oh. And I started coaching the young kids and started to develop programs for that. Oh, wow. That is that's awesome that you took what you had experienced. 
I think there's this phrase that I see every once in a while. It's like, be who, be who you wanted your younger self to, you know, yeah. be, or, you know, be that mentor or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember yeah, exactly. No, I totally but. understand. Yeah. I totally get where you're coming from, you know, and, and that was a, that was a springboard for me to, to kind of, you know, take it even higher. So, you know, from there, I started getting into the pro shop business, uh, understanding more about ball design and ball dynamics and, and learning more about fitting the, the human hand. And I took courses in, 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 in medical, you know, understanding of the bone structure of our hand and ailments and carpal tunnel and bursitis and tendonitis, all these different elements that affect us as a sport and really started to learn about it so that it, as a pro shop operator or technician, I could help my customers because even though they participate in these in bowling, they all suffer from all these human ailments, but they still want to have that passion of bowling. Mm-hmm. So I needed to know more about that and how I could do a better job into providing a better product for them while they have these problems and understand is the is the process of creating a bowling ball for them to fit their hand, could it have been contributing to this problem or was it something else, work-related or, you know, activity outside of bowling? So I had to distinguish which one was creating the issue. So in my journey of learning about it, that's how I became a better pro shop technician. Okay. And I guess sequentially going on, I read in your profile that you were the head coach of the Hong Kong team in China. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I got an opportunity. I had worked for another training facility down in Florida, the Kegel Training Center, for many years. And I wanted to work at learning how to coach internationally because we had been coaching a lot of their member teams, you know, around the world coming to Kegel like they were coming here at the ITRC. But before then, it was Kegel. And the one aspect as a coach was it's great to help work as a coach technician, you know, or trainer, right. but to be the head coach of a governing body is a different story. Oh, yeah. It's a different level. So what I wanted to do was venture out. So I had asked my old boss, I said, hey, how, how do I go out and um, find out more about coaching internationally? And he said, well... If you want to go do that, I'll make it happen. And he released me from my job to gain the knowledge of coaching internationally. And then my first coaching gig was in Hong Kong, in China. Oh, wow. So I lived over there for two years and then came back. Very and, cool. Very yeah. cool. That, it, how was that experience, just going internationally? It was, really good. It was good because uh, now you're traveling with the team. You're, you're working with their trainers on their side of their world. Uh, different mentality as far as how athletes function at that elite level, and, and you, you see how they conduct themselves at a different level than just regular league bowlers. You know, they're very serious, they're very, you know, stringent on, on making sure everything is done timely. Mm-hmm. And Chinese culture is very unique, you know. It's very different from U.S. culture, yeah. um, where we're kind of loose, laid back, and, you know, and kind of just, hey, party all the time. Mm-hmm. Over there, everything is very strict and rigid. Not that it's kind of like communistic or in a way, but... Everything's more geared to respect, respect for the sport, respect for elders, respect for uh, the the training, respect for your, your human, you know, humanity. Right. And while that idea evolves around society, 
it translates into coaching as well and how well they actually participate and force themselves to actually work within the program. Um, they'll, they stay on task. They stay on point. They're very studious. They, they, they're very much in wanting to get it done no matter what the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did y'all have any accolade, accolades whenever you were head coach over there? Yeah, I mean, we won a couple of tournaments, local tournaments that we went to, other countries, got a couple of bronzes and things like that. Never got a gold when my two years were there. But our team was in development. You know, they'd been going through a transition of a lot of different coaches. And when I got there, it was just kind of evolving into this new powerhouse that they eventually became with the help of other coaches. But I was just there for a short period of time, helping them transition, bringing some of the technologies that I had, you know, I'd been accustomed to, bringing them over there to help them understand more about themselves and working with their trainers and their doctors and their sports psychologists to help them bring the best out of that team. No, and that's good. It kind of leads right into my, my next question. You know, since I'm an amateur, what do you think is... You know, the most in, what's the thing I should comprehend most whenever um, stepping up the bowl? You took me on a nice uh, tour before we started recording and you showed me all this awesome technology that y'all have. And and I'm curious, you know, if if I don't know, you know, the technology that I'm using, it's not going to be of use to me. And so it it makes me wonder, you know, your side of things. What would I don't know what skill would be the thing I should focus on most? Well, I think uh, the biggest important thing that a bowler should focus on, you know, when they're learning the sport is to really understand more about the consistency of movement, you know, develop a flow. Can you explain that a little bit more? So if you watch bowling and you start to observe all the different bowler types that are out there, there's no really two bowlers that are alike. That means that we have a uniqueness to within our own body in how we function, how we move. And that functionality of how we move over time becomes a consistency. That consistency becomes repetition. And that becomes your style, your technique over time. Now, yes, a bowler can function in a way that has some flaws, you know, they don't have consistent walk direction or walk gait. In other words, the size of their steps. Mm-hmm. Or they may wander to the, from the back of the approach to the foul line. Mm-hmm. Those things can be cleaned up. Right. And once they understand what their control is, what they're focusing on. Mm-hmm. And that's my job as a coach, to kind of bring out what that control is for them. Or implement a new idea that helps them work within their current form and helps iron out and clean up some of the distractions. So I think as a bowler is really to understand your identity, mm. you know, how you move, how fast you move, what your speed is like, and what are the things that you can control. Mm-hmm. So work towards that. what you're saying is I can slouch, but as long as I'm consistent in my slouch. Right, right. As long as it's not affecting poor performance or poor mechanics. You know, if I said that, hey, your slouching is is compromising your overall control, well, then that would be something that we would want to change. And I would give you a new idea to think about, but still work within your current form. You know, I'm not going to make you, you know, say, hey, you're bowling as a right-hander. 
but I think you really need to bowl as a left-hander. Mm. You know, mm. I'm not going to make it so radically different that you've got to walk, talk, and chew gum the way I say it. Mm. I want you to live within your own skin. And that's something that kind of other sports don't really have. I mean, we can probably go deeper in detail about these different sports, but it seems that bowling is a little special in that kind of way. And for you specifically, I'm thinking of, you know, the aspect of technology and then your coaching experience, the combination of the two, it's just a, a knockout. Yeah, you know, I think the the importance of... of of creating that that technique and, and that consistency in, in my education and helping people, you know, aspire to get to that level. I think it's 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 a win win, you know, for anybody that comes here, you know. Even like someone like yourself. <laughs> you know, if you want to come here and, and work on it, yeah, we'll be more than glad to to help you along the way. Find your little mojo, you know, your own little style. Right. Awesome. No, and this actually leads, you know, into my next great question. So in your opinion, what piece of technology in this facility helps improve the skills of athletes that you coach the most and why? I think it's going to be two of them. It's going to be two of them. And the reason being is that you can create, you can get a lesson from a coach out in the field at your local bowling center, but without the tools needed to actually create viable data there's a hard time between an opinion and fact so when you're out in the field working with a coach the coach is referring to maybe to recommend do this technique or that technique it's because they have an opinion that they think that technique is better suited for you here we use technology to measure everything so what we do is we measure your control of speed, your control of accuracy, your control of revolutions, your control of consistency of overall direction. And then with the data that you've created by taking multiple shots, trying to repeat, we can see how strong your physical traits are or how weak and, and compromised they are. So by us looking at the data, it's black and white. Paper don't lie. Right. It is what it is. Video, when we record it at the same time while recording the data, mm-hmm. you know, so we're getting that consistency report done through Specto Bowling, and then we do video, mm-hmm. and we bring the student back. Now they've got data that says this, and the video that shows them why. Well, I don't have to tell them anymore. Right, and it's right there in the data. It's right there in the data. It's right there in the video. It's not an opinion anymore. Now it's actually factual, and there's buy-in from the athlete. So when an athlete says, hey, he's not recommending, this is the reason why, now they're more apt to actually accept change. Mm-hmm. And then it's easier to help a bowler reach the next level when they're receptive to the change. But when you tell somebody, hey, I think you need to do this or I need you to do that, you may just want to say, hey, I'll blow it off and just uh, I'll work on it next week. Right. Right. Here it's in real time. Hmm. And I guess all this talk of technology, I really want to bring up um, this. It's called Earl the Robot or there's an acronym, right? Earl the Robot. You know, it's I don't know if it's a I think it's actually named after Earl Anthony. Oh, Actually, a professional bowler. Oh, okay. And uh, I don't know. We had another robot before years ago, but I don't know what 
I can't remember the name of that robot, but this one is named Earl after Earl Anthony. But the uh, the robot is a unique tool that actually measures precision in the delivery of a bowling ball. It creates the exact revolutions every time, mm. or whatever it's set at, whatever the trajectory of the ball is at on the lane, it repeats it to within a sixteenth of an inch. Okay. And it also repeats the same velocity that it's shot at wow. in the same orbit of the rotation of that ball. So we can replicate a lot of different bowler styles through Earl and program that and then have them repeat on the lane and create a curve or go straight or back it up. We can do a lot of different things with Earl. Mm-hmm. But we can replicate basically 95 five percent of the bowling population oh wow that's that's awesome because especially for testing purposes yeah right yeah and that that was my curiosity because whenever we were talking before you said that it was currently being used in a a research study right so Earl's being used in a research study right now he's being uh, asked to deliver uh, consistent balls during our string pin testing which is currently going on and you've seen that on youtube it was a recent release of the status of where we're at with that but he's still ongoing doing some research so earl is programmed to repeat certain shots x amount of days and you know he's got an operator that helps him feed the ball and put earl put the ball into earl's hand and he puts it in the same exact way and earl then just starts up and then just fires and he'll repeat that same shot so I'm I'm curious. So whenever Earl's not doing these research studies, how do y'all incorporate that into your coaching, if at all? So we don't incorporate Earl into our coaching, but Earl allows us to actually research other dynamics. So case in point, Earl's daily job is to measure new ball the new balls that are released by the manufacturers. So as a new ball design is introduced into the market, the manufacturers have to ship so many balls to be approved, and Earl has to go through what we call a testing protocol, which will run a battery of tests with Earl rolling the ball several different ways, you know, and it's drilled, undrilled, with holes, small holes, large holes, all different ways of of perforating the spoiling balls to make sure it meets our specifications. And then there's other tests that are going on. There's uh, radius of gyration tests, there's surface testing, there's chemical absorption testing. There's all different kinds of testing that gets done. But Earl's part of one of the many systems that are actually used in the process of measuring ball dynamics. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, definitely whenever I was researching and I saw that, I was like, oh, I got to ask him about that one. But I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about The Big Lebowski. One of my favorite movies, I have, you know, have the movie podcast that you took a listen to. Uh, What episode specifically did you listen to? On your podcast, it was the movie one. Oh my gosh, the first one. Oh, okay, Scarface. Scarface. Scarface or Ferris Bueller? I think it was one of Scarface. Nice, nice. No, but it it makes me think of maybe the movie itself gives bowling a bad reputation. You know, the movie itself is not about bowling; it's about the Coen Brothers story. But do you think that it has any? This may be a a two question, two part question. You mean the Big Lebowski? 
the Big Lebowski yeah. being what do you think of the Big Lebowski? I actually loved it. I I, I loved it. Um, you know, to me, it was just it's it's a funny spoof on bowling. There have been a lot of bowling movies along the way. Dreamer was one of the first ones. Add it to the list. <laughs> Add it to the list. It's an old old movie from like the, I think the early seventies, late seventies. It was about a guy's journey to becoming a professional bowler. Mm-hmm. So it was an amateur in the search of the quest of becoming a pro. Oh. And it's his journey through that, you know. And there's some historical factors in there. There's a lot of pros that are in the movie as well. There's a Big Lebowski, like you said. There's the other one where the guy with the hand, I'm trying to remember now, with the, the clear bowling ball. Oh, I, I couldn't say. setting it live. I can't remember now. Uh, maybe something worth researching, definitely. I guess this leads into the second part of uh, my question. So... With bowling in particular, this industry, so I'll say, is there anything that you commonly held myths that you wanted to dispel in regards to it? As far as myths, I think I think a big myth that was in the past is that bowling was this, you know, beer drinking, smoking kind of atmosphere, very much associated with bowling, and it got a bad rap. Um, you're going to find that there are a lot of bowling centers that don't have smoking in it anymore. You know, I, I can now safely say I've gone probably in the last 10 years where I've walked into maybe 50 centers and there's no smoking. Mm-hmm. So that myth, you know, since big tobacco got punished in a way, bowling, smoking is no longer associated. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's still adults in the, in the bowling center and alcohol is being served. But I think that that rowdiness of that we're beer drinkers, big bellied and all that, it's kind of a myth. Bowling now has a huge following in the youth ranks. It's growing by leaps and bounds, you know, exponentially. Youth bowling, high school bowling, collegiate bowling, all leading to this quest of demanding tougher conditions, demanding expertise in that part of the sport, which helps to now broaden our professionals in the future. You know, college bowling right now for men and women is a springboard into bowling in the pros. So a lot of the kids aspire that they're bowling in youth to becoming a pro bowler. And the fact that a lot of colleges are offering scholarships is just a win-win, whereas before, that was never heard of. There was no such thing as college bowling and scholarship? No. Now it's commonplace. Now you can get almost a full ride education through bowling. Wow. And I think that's a great place to kind of wrap it up. I do want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me this afternoon and, you know, taking me on this awesome tour. I I think I might even become a member or try to at least. (laughs) I'd love to have you out and come back out and just, you know, if you get some time, you know, make an appointment. It's on us. Come out and, you know, give you some interactive time with the tools that we have. So you get to see yourself on video and all that good stuff. And you really get a better understanding of the what you're we're talking about, the experiences of it. But, you know, David, I had a great time. I love this interview. I love this podcast idea. Thank you for your was You know, I had a lot of fun thinking about it. You know, and, uh, you know, we'd love to see even your school, you know, bring back the bowling team. Like I said, I, two years ago, we really tried to get – UTA and bowling and yeah hopefully someday we'll make that happen again awesome thank you so much Lou thank you David
It was after sitting down with Lou that I needed to get back in the saddle and practice what he told me. That's what led me to doing a outing, like going on another birthday excursion. Well, it's not my birthday, but we're in the fall now. But uh, nonetheless, I had a, actually a problem, and which is a problem finding people wanting to go with me, which is actually something that I kind of want to bring up because, you know, I said towards the beginning, it's like a participatory sport, you know, it's like you either get competitive with it or you're participatory. And I think a lot of people like myself kind of don't bring bowling up to, I guess, go do it. I guess like it's a very niche thing for people to get into. Like they had that movie and it's a cold movie from the Cohen Butters brothers, but you know, it's like, what? What's going on? You know, <sighs> nonetheless. So like I couldn't find anybody to go with me. And then randomly one night I came home and I didn't even tell JT, my roommate that I was going to go. And I like went and actually whenever I got there, we went, I went to university lanes and didn't Texas. It, it's a good place. So I, I quite enjoy it. And whenever I went, there was this bowling league happening, so they didn't have any lanes open until like 9.30, and I would just kind of step back and watch a, a little bit of people, you know, pass by and shit like that, and it's actually funny, like, it reminded me of golf for some reason, because all these people were having, the, like, these... You know, they have these, like, custom-made balls. And I think I actually saw it on the tour, that gentleman that I was speaking before who did the live-action replay for us. I believe he had a similar getup. It looked like a golf bag, but for your bowling balls. And after after bowling, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it in a second, but I think you might need a couple of different types of balls to in depending on what situation you need but nonetheless i whenever i went i you know left came back i think i ate something and then sat down <sighs> i got a lot of drunk i was i was like i'm gonna have a good time with it whatever you know whatever i was i got there and my roommate jt ended up coming out and i got the you know lane ready for us he got the beers and we went and the first role that i did was a strike and i think i'll call him here in a little bit to confirm that because i i need somebody to back me up on that i think he's at dinner right now so i don't want to bother him but nonetheless after this whole night i had a great motherfucking time great time i literally did not have a care in the world whenever i was bowling i was like oh i'm just gonna like try my best and it, it literally wasn't about for me at least it wasn't about getting the bowling high score or whatever the fuck you want to you know call it nonetheless i literally could not have a care in the world whenever that was happening so it was actually something that lou had brought up whenever he was taking me through the pro shop like mentioning like the bowling balls and the different types of I don't know, balls, because the summer, summer like, where you can throw them fast, they're lightweight, and you can just chunk them down the lane, but you don't want to do that sometimes because it gets, like, too narrow or whatever, and that's why you want a big ball, and um, there was this guy out to the left of us whenever we were going, and he was fucking throwing that bitch. He didn't even have his hands in, like, the the pocket holes, like, the three, you know, prong, like, where you grip it like a fucking eagle would, which I actually, my, my fucking thumb hurts. I fucking, <laughs> it hurts so fucking bad. Like, I actually showed, I went out to 
deliver dominoes, which it was actually a pain to do so. I like had a bruise on my thumb and I had to fucking carry pizza to these people's doors. And I'm like, oh my God, I shouldn't have gone bowling. What I do for love. <laughs> I actually got a broken thumbnail too, so it fucking sucked too. But nonetheless, what was, you know, going on? You know, that's really all I, you know, wanted to talk about. I had a great motherfucking time. And I think that what I want to say before we kind of wrap up here is that I don't think bowling is a appreciate as it should be so i say consider going go go bowl this holiday season maybe change it change it up don't go to black friday go bowl nonetheless thank you for listening to this month's patreon exclusive bonus episode i hope you enjoyed it i know you're already subscribed to the patreon but consider joining our social media pages to see when new episodes go live with that let's go ahead and wrap up thank you so much for listening to this month's patreon exclusive bonus episode i'll see you next month Bye-bye. All of our shows are recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. As you know, all of our shows are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com WDM1. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and for that, we're stoked for your sponsorship. Lone Star Aeronautics and Sharon.